Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And Tom Dorian is here with me. Yay. Touchdown, TD. Welcome back. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. Do Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> welcome back. Yeah. Good uh, to see yeah. you. You know, we've been... Uh, it feels been like all it's this been time. a while. It has been a while. It's yeah. been like three months. I know. Uh, I, I was in Lourdes, France. What a beautiful, beautiful time we had there. Was, I'm jealous. It was a great pilgrimage and... And we had a bunch of great shows, really good shows that we got out of uh, that that experience. But, you yeah. know, it's good to come home and be here and look over your ugly mug. Back to the real world. And I'm not talking about your coffee mug. I'm talking I, know, about the, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking, talking about. Talking about that face for radio. I have a face for radio. There's and no we doubt both about do. it. So it's so good uh, to be back home and we feel comfortable and we're excited about starting a bunch of new stuff and yep. some new topics. I've got lots of emails to catch up on. I've got some great uh, emails from folks who've been listening. Uh, and by the way, I, I would love for you to send me an email, Deacon Jeff at the dot com, and tell me what's going on. Ask a question or two because uh, we're going to do a show here in the short uh, near future, mm-hmm. uh, answering some of those questions. That'll be fun. There's some good questions folks have, and there so really we're going to we're going to try to tackle those. Now, before we do anything else, uh, I think we need to uh, just talk about a friend of ours uh, we do. for a second. We've got a friend that's in a world of hurt right now. We do. And, and in fact, I think the last time that we recorded here in the Luxurious Corner booth um, uh, before I went to Lourdes was with our friend Doug Rakulski. And um, Doug um, is in a bad place right now. He is in a bad place. He's got a very uh, bad physical condition right now that uh, the prognosis is not good. No. And so just um, one of the beautiful things about our body of Christ, right, mm-hmm. th- about our church is that we would, that we would pray for each other. That the uh, the angels and saints are uh, interceding on his behalf, and we pray for that, and we just pray to the Lord that uh, that whatever His will is for Doug, um, that um, you know there be grace and peace and uh, love and mercy, all the things that God does for us uh, that would abound in in this process for for Doug, for the family, for all of us friends, and for all the listeners. Uh, who we don't have Doug here in the room with us Amen. right now. So Amen. keep him um, keep him in your prayers uh, mm-hmm. if you do that. Uh, we would appreciate it. And, you know, I think, interestingly, um, related to that, you know, sometimes things kind of get us down, mm-hmm. and they can kind of actually lead us into kind of a state of despair. And it actually made me think for a second. Uh, by the way, we know that despair, despair is a sin. We don't want to fall into right. despair, right? That's a lack of hope. But I... I made me think of a biblical passage that I wanted to read, and I wanted to jump back into the Old Testament. Okay. We're going to go Old Testament today. Let's do it. And, you know, I think that uh, a lot of people might not always hear these words and really kind of see themselves in it, but I want to read this little bit about Elijah. Okay. Right? And and he had just uh, rained hellfire upon the followers of Baal. Right. Not good. No, well, it was good for, for our team, but the right. problem is not good for Elijah because right. they were basically chasing him yeah. out, and he had, to, he had to basically sort of run off. And I'm going to read from the 19th chapter of the first book of Kings, and we will start here at verse 3. It says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life, going to Beersheba of Judah. He left his servant there and went a day's journey into the desert until he came to a broom tree and sat beneath it. He prayed for death. 
This is enough, O Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. He lay down and fell asleep under the broom tree. But then an angel touched him and ordered him to get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a hearth cake and a jug of water. After he ate and drank, he lay down again. But the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and ordered, Get up and eat, else the journey will be too long for you. He got up, ate and drank. Then, strengthened by that food, he walked forty days and forty nights to the mountain of God, Horeb. Now, I read that, and, and when, I, when I read that, I start thinking about when we get in times where we get overwhelmed. Oh, yeah, where, you're, where you feel like you're going to despair. Yeah, it's like, what is going on? Yeah. And, and, you know, usually we can handle a crisis. We can handle a problem. Yeah. But then, you know, some of us, me included, will go home and there's like nine problems. Oh, yeah, there's more stuff. <laughs> you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on. And normally, you know, a guy like Elijah, you'd think he's a prophet. Mm-hmm. He's doing the work of the Lord. He's on the march. He's doing the good things the Lord has asked him to do. He's preaching the truth, right? Mm-hmm. You'd think, hey, he's gonna, he's got the strength, he's got the power in yeah, it. Yeah, he can overcome anything. And yet, what he did was he just walked out into the desert for a day, left a servant there. It's like, almost like I'm just gonna go and uh, I want to walk into the ocean. I just want to walk into the ocean, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. And become shark food or whatever. Yeah. I just, I just can't do it anymore. And he walks out there and he just prays, Lord, take, take me. me now. You know, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. There's, I, I just can't. And I'm no better than my father's. Right. I, I, I just I need to I just I'm just I'm giving up. Mm-hmm. But the Lord wouldn't let him give up because mm-hmm. there was so much more the Lord had planned for him. Mm-hmm. Right. And so obviously he had to get up and eat. And so this is what's so cool about being Catholic and, and, and looking at the Old Testament, because so many of our separated brothers and sisters might ignore some of these, uh, I guess, foreshadowings. Right. Right. These types that we'll right. see in, in the Old Testament. But here the angel brings him a hearth cake, mm-hmm. brings him bread, mm-hmm. brings him some bread from heaven. This is special supernatural food is what right. this is. And, and as Catholics, we look at this and go, that's Eucharist. Exactly. Right? That's, that's Eucharist. And he gets up and he eats. And he goes back to sleep. Right? So he had his first communion. Right. But we don't just have one communion. Right? Mm-hmm. We, go, we go multiple times. Right. Right? So we, we keep going back and the angel wakes him up again and says, hey, you need more. If you don't eat more, you're not going to have the strength to go on this journey you need to go on. Mm-hmm. And so what's powerful about that is he then walks 40 days and 40 nights. Now, even if you're a biblical literalist, 40 days and 40 nights is a long way to go on one meal. On the strength oh, yeah. of that bread, 40 days and 40 nights, that's a that's a pretty good meal at McDonald's. Obviously, <laughs> it's going to get you that far. Right. And obviously, jokingly, we know that there's no meal that we can prepare here on earth that would make us give us the strength to go 40 days and 40 nights to do the work of the Lord. Right. But me not being a strict biblical literalist, I also understand in biblical literature there are places where um, there are numbers used. And we've done a show about numbers here. We talked about we that have. number 40, didn't we? We, we? we did. And, and that number 40 is, an, is a number of longing and anticipation and of, of waiting, mm-hmm. right, of hope that at the end of this 40 experience will be something great. Right. Right. So we have 40 days of Lent. And at the end of those yielded are the, 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 the Easter mysteries come to us. Right. Right. How beautiful the resurrection is. Uh, and we get the, to, to, to exalt in, in God after those 40 days of longing. And right. Jesus went into the desert 
right? For and 40 he, days. And he, yeah, he fasted for 40 days in what? In preparation for his earthly ministry. Again, a great thing that we're thankful for, mm-hmm. right? But there's that period of, was it literally 40 days? We don't know. And, and if you want to say it is, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, the most important thing is you understand is we can look at those 40 days and 40 nights and know that, that on the strength of that, Elijah walked as long as the journey needed to be in right. anticipation of getting to the mountain of God, mm-hmm. Horeb, mm-hmm. right? Now, what's really cool about this, and the mm-hmm. reason why I even bring this all up, is because of the con- I see myself as Elijah. Now, I'm not trying to be goofy here, you know. But the reality is when I read the 40 this, days, Elijah, or the take me now, Elijah, the take me now, Elijah. Yeah. Well, Cause I can you know see what? myself as that. That's right. Uh, and now before you start thinking that the show is going to end with me going off into a fiery chariot, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Right. Um, that, that part, I, I don't think that's going to happen. In fact, if my wife won't even let me buy a motorcycle, she's not going to allow me to have a fiery <laughs> chariot. So that's, that's not necessarily what's, what I'm talking about. Right. But this idea, there, there are times in my life where I want to just sit down and be done. Get under a broom tree. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds comfortable. It sounds like it's shady. I was going to say, it does sound shady. Right? And I just want to go, Lord, let me just breathe my last right here. Yeah. Because, you know, the world is crazy right now. It's hard. The world is just so crazy. And uh, there's so many things going on. And, you know, we don't normally do, like, current events on this show. Mm-hmm. Because we want to make sure that someone Googling this show five years from now would find some grace in, in hearing it that would apply to them at that time. Right. So I don't usually always focus about current events, what happens in politics, who our president is, all these things. But I'm going to go through a list here. And I just want people to hear these things that are going on and realize we do live in some very troubling times in our world. Mm-hmm. And so if, this, if these things aren't true in five years, well, God be praised that, that things turned out better, hopefully, mm-hmm. right? And some things were, were fixed later. But still, in five years from now, there's still going to be problems. Right. There's still going to be issues that are going to lead people potentially to despair. Oh, yeah. I mean, we realized that recently the Supreme Court of the United States, that they, in effect, radically redefined marriage. And they, they, they ignored the most ancient pre- precedents of natural and moral law. Just yeah. chuck those out. Yeah. Right? And we also realize, if we look at the, the statistics, traditional marriage is faltering. Right, the number of young people who are actually getting married, is, it's dropping. It's going down. People mm-hmm. think, hey, the divorce rate's steady. Well, that's because there are fewer and fewer people getting married, mm-hmm. right? And that most young people, are just, they're just choosing to live together without marriage. Yeah. That's, it's an overwhelming majority, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's uh, getting to be kind of scary in that regard. Yeah. We all know that story. Um, I don't remember their names, but that sort of Christian um, husband and wife bakery in Oregon. Yeah. That they were heavily fined and, and they were basically shut down yeah. because of that huge fine that they couldn't pay because they didn't want to participate or celebrate, make bake a cake for a same-sex couple's wedding. Right. Because it, it violated their own beliefs. Yeah. Right? It'd be like a sign maker having to print signs that said, God is dead. Exactly. I, I wouldn't want to do that if I was a sign maker. Right. And I would... I would want people to understand and respect it. But, but they were, they're essentially forced out of business because of this. You know, the Boy Scouts of America, they've always been a bastion of just good moral character for boys. And there's still lots of great things that the Boy Scouts are doing, but it's very troubling now that they've officially said and decreed that, um, that, that people who are in same-sex relationships can now be leaders of our youth. Right. Well, this is troubling. Yeah. Right? It, it, it's problematic. Mm-hmm. 
And you think they'll, they'll never give in. They'll never give in. They fought this for so long, and they finally gave in. Mm-hmm. And I think they probably gave in to corporate America, but I don't know all the ins and outs. But it's not a good decision. Right. Right? And then we know about the little sisters of the poor in Denver, Colorado. They're now being forced to essentially hand condoms out to all their employees that are doing their good work. So these little religious sisters are being forced to violate their own religious beliefs. Right? I also just That's recently insane. watched there was an anchor on one of the uh, big news networks. And he, in the interview, he was interviewing one of the political candidates for president, and he started getting into an argument about when life started. And, and in, the, in the context of this interview, the anchor said, well, I'm a Catholic. Hmm. But he opened the door to abortion, saying abortion's fine because science has not clear on exactly when hmm. life starts. Hmm. You know, and essentially the church has told us when, and we all know when, and science really does back that up. But, you know, this is on national news, and it's so kind, of, kind of scary to see. And then, of course, I wonder what kind of culture that we've really become when, uh, you know, a person from Planned Parenthood, a high-ranking doctor, doctor or an official, would just sort of like sip wine and, and, and munch on a salad while she's discussing the harvesting body parts. of baby parts yeah. from aborted fetuses, how sad that is, yeah. that these little pre-born humans are, you know, being basically sold off. And, you know, even if that video was surreptitiously recorded, mm-hmm. it still revealed the truth. It lifted the veil. And, and it's kind of a scary, you know, truth that's underneath there, right? And, of course, the media coverage for this lion that was killed was like three or four times. The one that was killed in Africa, Cecil yeah. the Lion, I think his name was. Yeah. A tragedy. You should never – I mean, I don't, I don't agree with lion killing and that kind of hunting I, for trophies and stuff. I, I don't like that. And I think that's bad. I, I think maybe it's even sinful at times, right? Mm-hmm. But we spent more time in the media covering that than the Planned Parenthood videos. Right. Right, and and so things seem upside down. Of course, we know about the, the the extremists that are beheading and running Christians out of their homes, and all the horrible things that are happening um, in the Middle East and continue to happen. Mm-hmm. Right, and you know, young people are identifying themselves more often as spiritual but not religious. Yeah, and kids are leaving their Catholic faith in droves. Right, and you know, poverty. I mean, pornography is still tearing families apart. It's it's yeah. the worst silent killer of families there is yeah right it's just ravaging families how sad that is and of course there's this idea and understand that too many catholics don't know what they're supposed to believe right and when they know what they're supposed to believe some of them aren't believing all that stuff i mean it's just you know you look at that list and and there's more yeah you know i'm tired there's a part of me wants to sit under a broom tree and say lord take me now because I'm no better than the guys that came before me. Yeah, since you read that list, I'm getting ready to leave and go look for that tree. Yeah, we can't despair, Tom. That's right. In fact, we're going we're gonna to hold over for a break, and when we come back, we're going we're gonna to talk about this and figure out what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to say in this process right. and how we're supposed to feel. And it's not bad news. Good. We're going to talk about the good news. But, but before we do that, one mind, folks at home, we've got a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. I need you to send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we will be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. many of us recall in years past a visit to a grandmother or older Catholic friend and being immersed in signs and symbols of the Catholic faith. Crucifixes adorning the walls of every room, a Blessed Mother statue in the garden, rosaries lying on the nightstands, 
Holy cards and other pictures of saints were everywhere, to the point where one could not help but see the faith of the person dwelling in the house. These objects and prayer cards are part of the wonderful tradition of the Church known as sacramentals. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, a sacramental is a sacred sign by which spiritual effects are signified and obtained through the prayers of the Church. Just as working people keep pictures of their loved ones at their offices to remind them of their family when not at home, and just as married couples wear wedding rings to signify the commitment of life and love made to their spouses, so the Church encourages us to have sacred objects about us as reminders of our faith. If we truly love Jesus and desire with our hearts to be saints in heaven with Him, it is only natural that we should want reminders of our beloved Lord all about us. And what is truly wonderful is these holy objects can help us with our prayer and keep us on the road to sanctity. The Church has an ancient tradition of the faithful bringing sacramentals to the priest or deacon to have them blessed. A blessing of an object is a prayer over that object, setting it apart for use for prayer, and asking the Lord to allow the object to be used as an instrument of grace. Once blessed, the objects are different, in a sense consecrated or set apart for God, and thereafter deserve a special reverence. We need to ask ourselves, if a stranger came into our home, would he find evidence of our faith? Consider placing a crucifix in every room of your house to be visibly reminded of the supreme love of God in offering His Son. Or place a Bible in a prominent space to emphasize the importance of the Word of God. Perhaps have a holy water font in your house so family members can bless themselves before prayer. And be sure to make gifts of religious objects to graduates or young Catholic couples getting married as these instruments of faith will likely be more important to these young people than anything listed in the bridal registry. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Tom Doring, and we're trying to stay out of despair, the sin of despair. We are. Because there's so much rough stuff going on in the world. It is rough. And so we've got to figure out what what's going on. And I, I love the fact that um, we see ourselves in Elijah, right? Not, it's not just me. I, I'm not trying to be too big for my britches or whatever and say, I'm like the prophet Elijah. But I think all of us... Tom, you said it. And, oh, the despair but, part. Yeah, well, but then all the stuff that's going on in the world, and, and we're trying to do the Lord's work. Right. We're trying to do the best we can, and then it's just, we times want to just give up. Oh, you feel alone. Right. But see, here's the thing that, that I realized in all of this. The times that I, we just read that list mm-hmm. of all the stuff going on. There's so much more going on, and it seems like the world is just so upside down. It is. It's topsy-turvy. The things that are that the world sees are right are really things that they've always said that were wrong before. Right. It's kind of like um, you can eat eggs. No, you can't eat eggs. And now you can eat eggs again. Right. And I'm sure in a few years, don't eat eggs. You know, and it's like, well, what's right and what's wrong? And it gets keeps, keeps right. going. But right now, things seem to like they're going the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's so easy to fall into that. But when I realized what happened with Elijah, and the angel would wake him up, 
from that slumber. And we all get in that slumber. We get under that tree and we just like give up. And our, our muscles relax and our eyes close. And we just lay our head back and think, I'm not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Right? Then there's that tap on our shoulder from the angel who says, eat. Mm-hmm. I cannot help but see myself in that situation realizing, wait a second. First of all, I just I need to eat because the angel said to eat. And I need to realize my Catholic upbringing and go, wait a second. This is Eucharist. Mm-hmm. This is why we have Eucharist in our church. This is why it's so profoundly important that we understand that we have Eucharist. And see, when those times when I feel like getting under that broom tree, I will come home after a rough day of who knows what's going on. And, and also seeing the world, mm-hmm. right? Having experiences like our, with our friend Doug and, and things like that, yeah. that really kind of start to weigh you down. But then I'll go home, and what will I see? I'll see my kids. You're exactly right. I will see my kids. <laughs> and that's the angel of the Lord tapping me on the shoulder and say, hey, get up. That's exactly right. You, you can't just ignore exactly this. Right. You can't go get under a tree. Yep. The Lord is not done with you. Yep. So I hear that resoundingly, and it's like, okay, Lord, I know you're not done with me, but how am I going to do this? Right. Eat. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, this is like prefiguring the Eucharist big time where we realize that, wait a second, we've got a, we've got a journey left in our life. And I don't know whether my journey is a day, mm-hmm. a week, 20 years, or 50 years, or I don't know how long I'm going to be right. here. But that's the 40 days and 40 nights. Right. And it's only on the strength of that Eucharist that I'm going to be able to pick myself up, right, to be lifted up essentially by the Lord and by the strength given to me by the Lord and to go on that journey to the mountain of God. You're right. Right? And there's so much to happen in that journey, and God's not done with me, and that's why that angel rouses me. And, of course, when I get lazy and I go back to sleep again, oh, that felt good. It's nice to have a meal. Let me lay back down. Yeah. Nothing's really changed. That was First Communion. Yeah, exactly. second communion, third communion. I think I'm up to 32,483 communions. I'm not <laughs> sure. I haven't done the math well. But but the point is, um, you know, after we, we are con- called to continually go to Holy Communion. This is why the, the, the church says you need to go every Sunday. Right. Right? And all these holy days of obligation because you need the Eucharist. Yeah. You need the word preached to you, revealed to you, uh, you know, proclaimed to you. And you, you need the word breathed into you taken into you you need to taste and see the goodness of the lord you need to experience with your body the healing the love the mercy the grace that comes to us in, in eucharist which also nourishes our soul right right and so this is where the part where the people listening going you know um that sounds good it's good for me mm-hmm. and then again i remind myself going home and seeing my kids and thinking that i'm actually here to guide protect to be a father figure to my children, literally, because I'm their father, but also as God the Father is a father figure to all of us. Our priests are fathers. We call them that because they're spiritual fathers to all of us. I'm called to be that to my children, to be God to my children. I'm not a God. I realize that. I'd love for them to think that, but that's not the case, and they mm-hmm. don't think that anyway. But the reality is I'm called to that, So, which, which means that I'm here for them. Mm-hmm. I need to have the strength, but I also need to care for them and make sure that they stay in the fold. Mm-hmm. Tom, have you ever known somebody or had somebody say to you, you know, my, my kid has left the faith, but, you know, at least they're going to this good church here where they love Jesus. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and there's a part of me that goes, well, that is good. Mm-hmm. But there's also a part of me that's sad. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think even that parent who's trying to justify it sometimes and say, well, at least mm-hmm. it's like, let's not settle for the least. 
God never wanted us to settle for the least. So as parents, we're always their parents. Now, it doesn't mean we go beat them over the head and say, you need to be receiving Jesus in the Eucharist. You need to get back over to this Catholic Church, you heathen. Right. You don't say that. But you always have to continually love them, continually pray for them. Mm-hmm. And be a living example of faith to them so that they will be called really maybe into that full communion once again. Yeah. You know, and every once in a while the conversations may come up and it be an opportunity for you to not get into a fight, not lord it over them, but to gently nudge them in that direction. Right. To help them to see. But they're not going to do it unless you are genuine. Right. You're right. But there's a sadness when kids walk away. Oh, yeah. And there's a deeper sadness for me for the parents when they're thinking, well, at least this is happening. Yeah. God never wanted want the least for us. Mm-hmm. He, he, he said that we would, he came that we might have life and have it to the full, mm-hmm. that we would be joyful, overflowing in joy. Not always happiness, but in the joy that comes from hope, right, that would keep yeah. us from despair. Oh, yeah. And so that's the thing we as parents have to do is realize that this whole idea of Eucharist was always intended by God to be that, uh, that supernatural, uh, I'll say fuel, but really that grace. Yeah. That's going to lead us. That's going to lead us to home, but also give us the strength, the courage, to sort of be who we need to be as parents to our kids. That's exactly right. And of course, it doesn't only account, you know, or, or take into account uh, kids. Everybody we have around friends, us, right? Right, and and we watch people, coworkers, that, everybody. Right, they're all on journeys. Everyone's kind of journeying along here and trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong, and the world essentially is doing that. Yep. You know, once we're baptized, we are forever oriented to God. In other words, we're always seeking the truth. Yeah. Just by virtue of that baptism, it's like he's, he's putting this eternal compass mm-hmm. that always points true north. It always points to him. And we have troubles, and sin will kind of lead us in the wrong direction occasionally. Sometimes we get horribly lost, but the reality is we're always looking for the truth. Right. We're always clamoring for something to, to give us a sense of purpose and meaning and really to give us a sense of joy in life. And that is God. God is the only answer. And the world seeks all these other avenues and, you know, whether it's wealth or, or sex or uh, power, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, intellectualism, knowledge, all these. You know, we look for these gods. There's never fulfillment. Right. Right. Because we can our, our soul can only rest when it rests, rests in God, as St. Augustine said. You're right. And so it's like that's what we're called to do. And Eucharist is what gives us the strength. The strength to, to get up and to continue on that journey for 40 days and 40 nights for the to the very end of our days, to our last and dying breath, where we would hopefully and prayerfully, we hope that we hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. So that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be. And that's where uh, God would have us. Mm-hmm. What a great blessing and gift it is to be Catholic. And for those who Amen. aren't Catholic listening, Come know, on. look in, look into this. Check us out. Right, and for those who have kids, we're praying for your kids. Continue yep. to pray for them and be a good, solid example. Right, Amen. We are all called to be in the loving arms of Jesus Christ, and so let's close now in prayer. All right, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the gifts you've given us, especially the gift of your Son Jesus sent to reconcile us to you forever. Father, you know that we're tired. We live in a world that seems, with every day, to get more and more lost. Help us, Lord, to have hope. Keep us always close to you as we continue the journey to be with you for all eternity. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff... 
send an email to Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. 